0: The following message is brought to you by the Ezra Institute for Contemporary Christianity. To learn more about the Ezra Institute's mission to advance the Lordship of Christ, please visit www. Oh, 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 irresponsible, disgusting pig
1: alive in the world. Shut up for a second, please. We're in a cultural war. A cultural war. Oh! Talking to me like that. I
2: resent the fact that your
0: implication that only you are an idiot. The culture war is back. back,
3: back, 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 back. All right, the culture war is on. It's Tuesday morning and we get into the cultural issues that uh, seem to, I guess, uh, become hot debate and talking points and uh, also inform our uh, society and culture going forward. So uh, this is why we want to examine them, analyze, deconstruct, and all the rest. Just go over it with a fine tooth comb and. Uh, You're better served for knowing this stuff, I believe. So uh, to do that here again, it's uh, a case of familiar faces returning to the program after a long absence. Scott Masson is an associate prof at Tyndale University College here in Toronto. Scott, good to have you back in the program. Great to be back, Tom. And Dr. Christopher Christopher DiCarlo, fellow and advisor at the Centre for Inquiry Canada. Chris, good to see you after all these months. Yes, good to see you. Guys, uh, I want to get right into it. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about, but uh, it's a front-page story. came out yesterday afternoon. I know our colleague Arlene was talking about it in the afternoon, how uh, in Canada it seems, according to a report in the um, Canadian Medical Association-Journal, There are people who are coming here specifically to get abortions because of the uh, desired sex or undesired sex of the fetus. In the case of most, uh, it's women or girls that are being aborted. And Canada, not having a law in the books per se, the only Western nation that doesn't have one, Hmm. pretty much, I guess, uh, is seen as a jurisdiction or a precinct where you can come no matter the timeline and secure an abortion if you know the right people or the right avenues. Hmm. And uh, it's called... Feticide, where it's practiced rather commonly in places like India and China, as we know, with a one-child policy. Mm. So that being said, uh, I guess the overarching question here, do we need a law to keep the sex of the fetus secret so that uh, nobody in this country can take it upon themselves to abort a fetus that's considered, quote, undesirable, end quote, in the sense of their gender? Mm.
0: Scott Masson, do we need that law? Well, let me, let me backtrack a little bit and then I'll, I will answer the question. 2004, Parliament passed the Assisted Human uh, Reproductive Act, which bans sex selection uh, in implanted embryos amongst, uh, among women. But the law doesn't protect uh, the fetus after it's already uh, been implanted, as it were. So there's no protection for that. So there is a law in the books to prevent sex selection before the, before the fact, but it doesn't do anything for the child after the fact. So there's a clear uh, discrepancy here about the status of the child in the womb. And the question is, is equality really what's being protected, which uh, somebody from the Centre for Bioethics is suggesting that it stands against everything we, you know, this sex selection it goes against everything we stand for in Canada. Is uh, equality what we're about here or is it life that we're about? And to my mind, this whole issue, that's the big issue, is is this a life and and really that's not that's the issue rather than should we screen per se. All right so it's
3: getting back to uh, again uh, the fundamental (coughs) question surrounding the abortion debate that's your point.
0: That's exactly what I say and it's because of the technology that we can now see that the child that there is a child in the fetus at one point this is a potential life and there were all sorts of issues 20 years ago about you know at what point is it viable and so forth well the technology has moved on so we can actually see a child in the womb now and the laws haven't moved along with it, quite frankly, because there's an ideological hardening. And now we see that there are people who are selecting on the basis of sex. And, of course, people are saying this is discrimination. We can't have this. And that, so they're, they're worried about discrimination rather than life. And this is, it seems to me, a complete moral blindness. All right. I'll
3: turn it over to you, uh Mr. DiCarlo, what do you say on this? I mean, I would think that most uh, conscientious people would think uh, we can't allow for this practice in Canada. So therefore, we would have to have some kind of deterrence or blind shield. Uh, would you favor a law?
4: Yeah, immediately. That's what you think, right? That uh, some kind of injustice is being, you know, done here. But then, you, you know, you're right, uh, Scott. You, you you basically it's coming down to uh, what are we talking about here? The rights of the uh, the prospective parents, the people, you know, especially the woman, mm-hmm. versus that of a of a developing fetus. So, where you know, where do we make the draw? You know, the, the line in the sand where we can say it's a woman's right to do whatever she wants with her body versus the right of an unborn uh, fetus and. Would you maintain, Scott, that life begins at conception? Of course
0: I would. Right. And apparently a woman's right – But a lot right, of people wouldn't, right? N- well, so. right, but I think their position is untenable. And uh, apparently a woman's right to choose now includes uh, women choosing for there to be no mo- more women. Because that's what we're talking about.
3: Well, see, that's where it (laughs) gets into the bigger or the broader implication is that women should support this because feticide does discriminate against women. In fact, the lead author says it's discrimination against women in its most extreme form.
4: Right. This is one of those interesting cases where you have two really interesting factors, discrimination against women, but then the protection of women's rights at the same time. Well, that's why we're bringing it up with you two (laughs) heady guys here. where Where do we draw the line? If if it's going to come back to the abortion debate, then obviously Scott and I are going to disagree. I don't think life begins at conception. I think it's a progressive, you know, graduated develop, developmental concept rather mm-hmm. than – um, you know, yeah,
0: but that's a statement of faith rather than a statement of fact. You can assert that and you can hold it, but at what point are you going to determine it? On what, and on what basis will you determine what life is, my friend? How can you call it a statement of faith
4: when you're the one who believes somehow a soul's injected into this thing at the point of conception, where I totally would disagree? I don't that's that a, position. That's an aspect of faith. For me, I am dealing with facts. And what okay. I can think we can talk about is what's known as the umbra of becoming, that shadowy area where a fetus starts to become more human-like. And then maybe we can talk about where is the line in the sand. And, and believe you me, every um, obstetrician, gynecologist, they do have their, their lines drawn in the sand. You talk to them, they maintain that life begins at a certain point. And mm-hmm. each belief, whether you realize this or not, they have their own set of morals where they will not All right, let's support. call it the protection of the potential right. of this uh, individual. Mm-hmm. I, and
3: uh, there, therein lies, again, the nub or the crux of this argument of women should be supporting the potentiality for uh, female fetuses to become women. And yet, yes. uh, so that would support the law, but you're saying then it also would deny a woman her right to choose whether or not she's going to bring that uh, fetus to term. So we're Correct. on the horns of a dilemma here, and we're asking a question with our culture warrior, Scott Mass, Masson, associate prof at Tyndale University College here in Toronto, Dr. Chris DiCarlo, fellow and advisor at the Centre for Inquiry Canada. Do we need a law here in Canada to keep the sex of the fetus secret so nobody can actually, selectively on gender lines, abort fetuses in child selection? And uh, it opens up a whole can of worms, but uh, that's a finding that people are coming here to do just that, a la India and China. Do we need a law to kind of deter that practice.
1: LL, LL, All
3: right, let's get back into it. A lot of calls in this one. It's a story that's made the front page of the newspapers, and understandably so. It's a big cultural story, uh, the culture warriors here in the studio this morning, uh, acknowledging that uh, we're on the horns of a dilemma here as to uh, the right to choose, but uh, there's also a practice that's become, well, in the words of the author of the study that's been just published in the Canadian Medical Association Journal, it's an evil practice that allows uh, a woman or a couple to abort a child if the gender is not the one that they'd actually prefer. And for a variety of reasons, we've seen, too, culturally in China, they're going to actually uh, have to face the consequences of the one... The male child policy, uh, where mm. there's going to be 50 million men uh, mm-hmm. looking for love and right. not going to find it. Right. And that could uh, motivate a critical mass into all kinds of antisocial things, or at least yes. disruptive to their system. Mm. And uh, do we stand, Scott Masson, any uh, perhaps risk that Canada could also suffer the consequences? Of? I mean, this is projecting far into the future if we don't actually uh, deter this practice. <laughs> I mean, it gets back to a gain... The right to choose, but uh, there are consequences social consequences to this
0: there are social consequences and there are social consequences that are only immediately apparent to those directly affected, but they are over the long term they will be perceptible to absolutely everyone and We talked to, in between the in the break there about a demographic winter so that the the, the one not just the one child policy of china and in places like India where there's uh, sex selecting, but uh, throughout the West, people are having fewer and fewer children. The result of that is we're having to immigrate people into Canada in order to plug our hole in uh, population, which keeps our economy going, etc. Well, what's the effect of that is that we will have a social problem of integrating people and then the cost uh, balloons. And, you know, I listen to Lou Skeezes and he's worried about economics. All of these re- create social problems. Well, that will threaten the political, social structure of the whole country. So these are issues that everyone will see and everyone is already seeing, quite frankly. uh, Further to the sex selection, Chris DiCarlo, is there
3: anything inherently immoral about also uh, wanting to, perhaps, uh, if you find through an ultrasound or other genetic testing, that there are serious birth defects? Right. uh, All of these, or in fact, maybe even uh, certain Prescriptive babies, you know, designer babies. Designer babies, uh, the yeah. Blue eyes and, you know, mm-hmm, whatever mm-hmm. else. I, I mean, where does uh, science and morality intercede here and uh, who makes the call mm-hmm. on that? Mm-hmm. Well,
4: yeah, I mean, how much freedom or autonomy do we allow a citizen versus mm-hmm. how much paternalism or the heavy hand of the state now comes down and says, nah, I disagree mm-hmm. with that. And then for what reasons, political, philosophical, religious, those we have to get, get very clear on because this is a very complex issue uh, sex selection is one thing, but for for me, if you have a severely uh, genetically uh, disabled uh, fetus developing. It's up to the uh, prospective parents to make that decision, and a genetic counselor will not sway their opinion one way or the other. They That's will simply—they simply will simply give them the facts.
0: That's simply not true. Mm. That's what they say in the textbooks that they should do, but in practice, they heavily—they heavily skew it, and most people are well, not. Well, up I've had to to a lot of decision. practice
4: with McMaster and yeah. uh, pediatric intensive care units, and so on and so forth. I'm a bioethicist, yeah. So well, I've, I've been in the people trenches that so are a to speak, part of this as well, so. and I've watched genetic counselors be very careful about mm. what they tell prospective parents. They right, but not. you know
0: what, in places like planned parenthood in the states they're exposing now that these interviews which are allegedly objective and neutral they're not happening in this way they're actively encouraging and partly because there it is an industry there's an abortion industry and they are vested interest in, in aborting children. I'm, I'm afraid a, that it's a is, the case. Right? is a make money enterprise. It is a make money enterprise. And no. and in Canada we've got set, we've got tourism on that basis now because we've got the technology to show that this is a a, ch- a woman or a, or a man. And uh, on that basis, we'll, we'll abort. We have the means, we have no laws on it, and people are coming here to abort their female Well, that's why children. we're
3: asking the question, should there be a law? There's even a proposed law in Texas where a physician must show an ultrasound to anyone who is seeking an abortion. On the one hand, this either constitutes informed consent to the others, like Planned Parenthood. This is just a way of ginning up the emotionalism of the <laughs> decision and deterring a woman from making her choice freely uh, in in the absence of being swayed, as you call it, Chris and right. So uh, what we have are issues on the table that are going to impact our culture, our society, as we just pointed out with Scott Masson. Hmm. So let's drill down. All right, looks like we might have to extend the segment here. Got a lot of traffic in this one talking about whether we need a law to deter this practice of feticide uh, aborting female fetuses because, well, uh, they're not desired in certain cultures. And it's happening in Canada, we're told by... The prestigious Canadian Journal of uh, the Medical Association Journal came out with a report yesterday. Do we need a law? Mohammed and Milton, we'll start with you. Good morning.
2: Good morning, John, to you and all, to all of your panel. Uh, I think the law is a necessity to prevent this heinous crime. Uh, I think uh, abortion as well is a heinous crime. Mr. DeCarlo wants to suck and blow on the same time, mm. and that is really hard to do uh, for anyone who has a clear mind, because uh, if unless the ch- a fetus presents... Danger to the carrier, which is the mother's life. Then the, she could just deliver the baby and give it up. Don't mm. kill children. Yep, it's, it's unethical.
4: So, give don't up a children. severely disabled child and bring if the that child, child into the world. If di- the child severely disabled, naturally the child aborts how, how, anyway. How can you approve? The child naturally aborts anyway. How, how, really? Yeah. really, you might want to get down to a pediatric know, intensive care unit sometime. Parents and parents see the children who do survive. a
2: survive. How many times? How's that? How many times parents were expected uh, to have a boy, and then at the delivery time, they had a girl?
3: Well, yeah, but see, that's because they didn't know, but mm-hmm. this is the uh, opportunity now with ultrasounds, all the rest, to determine the sex uh, early on, and well, therefore uh, to it, abort if you're not getting the desired right. sex or gender. They're not foolproof, though.
2: Let me this question, then. Is it ethical for a doctor to abort a girl just because she's a girl, uh, rather than delivering a child who may or may not be defective or could meet maybe by the time the child is delivered you can have a cure for his disease or her disease
3: well the carlos point if i'm not uh, representing you here
4: is uh, it's just really ultimately the woman's choice it's the woman's no, it choice was, it was actually, actually it's the prospective parent's choice if uh Thank it's you. a it's a genetic uh you know disability and that sort of thing and they that's why you know i get my students in, in my bioethics classes to say you know when you decide to reproduce <laughs> talk to your partner be clear so that when you go and get that ultrasound, if it's, neg- you know, negative news about some type of genetic disability, what are you going to do about it? Don't, don't think about it when it happens. Mm-hmm. Think about it prior to that and be on board. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's why we're sort of asking as a preemptive
3: measure, if we had a law that would shield against, you know, uh, the gender selection,
0: mm-hmm.
3: then uh, perhaps that would be the way of protecting Could women. I, can I ask a mm-hmm.
0: question on this? Is a handicapped person a person? A handicapped person is a person, but what, what which, does that have to At what point this? do you determine uh, the distinction between a severely handicapped person and a mildly handicapped person? I have asthma. I would regard that as a handicap of sorts. At what point uh, do you distinguish between severe and mild? Is it it just less, is it it more severe than your handicap? And who's going to determine that? I mean, on what criteria? You're talking about morality here. Again,
4: this comes with education. This is what Uh, genetic genetic counselors talk (laughs) about as
0: well. Okay, what is the criteria for the educators then? Is life life or is life not life? That's what it comes down to.
4: I don't even know what that means. Mm. But essentially, uh, life, we can talk about this determination of when life uh, begins. You, You believe it. It's at conception. Right, that's I a life with potential
0: at that point, yes. Well, you just said, is life life or life All right, guys, life? I now know we're going to go around, it, it,
3: it, it's kind of the same debate, but this uh, new aspect to it is obviously where I want to focus, mm-hmm. and uh, we got a lot of calls. Mike and Milton, your take on whether or not you believe a, a law is necessary to deter the evil practice of feticide?
2: Yes, I do. Um, the one thing that really bothers me
4: the most is that people can bypass their own country's laws and come here and mm. just arbitrarily write it off, I think it depends on the country of origin, so that if these people are coming in on a passport, they shouldn't be allowed to break their own country's law. It's like harboring criminals. Mm. It's eating and abetting and criminal activity, and it's, I don't know, it's just morally wrong. In regards to this woman's choice, they had a choice before they got pregnant.
1: Mm.
2: It's called contraceptives. Mm. That's the choice.
3: Well, all right, and not in some uh, particular religious faiths, but uh, by the way, Edmund emails, he says, I have no position on when a life is a life, but gender-based social eugenics raises my ears. It Mm. goes against the doctrines I live and die by. Mm -hmm. Men protect women, women protect children, because men don't have abortions, women do. When they abort their females to be children, it makes it impossible to honor that doctrine. Mm. We follow that logic, and so uh, that's sort of the nub of it. We've got this crux of an issue in play here with our culture warriors about uh, protecting females and also uh, their right to become women, who then have a right to choose. <laughs> so,
0: uh, <laughs> that's right.
3: <laughs> that's the great cycle here that's uh, become the conundrum. The Gordian Knot, we'll come back. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts. Do we need a law in Canada? This just tabled that the issue has surfaced, and, uh, well, I guess the legislators and the politicians are going to have to wrap their heads around it, even though in the absence of an abortion law in this country how do we uh how do we best address this and deter the evil practice with Scott Masson and Dr. Krista Carlo we're coming back with more of your thoughts in a moment on the Oakley show Talk Radio AM 640. All right well there's a lot at stake here in this whole uh I guess it's a a new uh development in Canada in so far as uh, bringing it to the attention of the masses and uh, a report in the Canadian Medical Association Journal uh talked about a practice that's become more commonplace. We've seen it in places like China and India, the one-child policy where uh, gender selection of uh, pregnancies obviously plays large in the millions and millions, but we're also told now Canada, because it has no abortion law per se, has become somewhat of a, a precinct for tourists to come and get abortions because women or the family, the, the, the partners don't like uh, a certain gender or prefer one over the other, and that would be male over female. So uh, females are being killed and uh, in the womb, uh, the female fetus, and that's become uh, it's known as feticide somewhat problematic, as we've explained. Uh, Chris carlo here, who is a professor or a fellow and advisor at the Center for Inquiry Canada, Scott Mass and the Associate Prophet Tyndall University College in Toronto, our panel debating uh, on how we uh, best deter this practice. It's considered evil and wrong, but you've also got the right uh, of women to choose, or at least it's been contested in the courts, and that's why we don't have a law per se in Canada; it's kind of just left in limbo. Mm. Hey, I got to ask about this. Uh, coming down to uh, maybe projecting a scenario where cultural communities who see this as being something not uncommon in their own countries, India, China, and Mm. the immigration uh, is huge from those two areas, uh, they might say, you're denying us something that uh, we would like access to just because we believe, uh, for example, males are... uh, more uh of a a help to the family Mm -hmm. females are a detriment there are also the dowry issues exchanging a transfer of wealth between family and therefore a female becomes Mm -hmm. somewhat of a what do we call that Uh, a detriment a detriment an an
4: economic detriment an economic this is
3: about survival so all right uh, against that backdrop, this is in the practical ways that this plays out right and Mm -hmm. uh so (laughs) if you've got a law in the books, could it be contested on a constitutional basis or even on some kind of a human rights basis? Can you I project
0: have, this? Well, I would have thought so. I would have thought litigation would come if the sex selection becomes we need to bring a law in on this and suddenly doctors start screening for people from identifiable groups because they have this concern You say, well, you're violating my human rights here. Mm-hmm. You're treating me as something other than uh, the rest of the citizens of Canada and surely you can't do this. I think it's a it's an absolute nightmare on that level. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the government will want to touch it on that level. But but the issue is, uh, it's the issue we raise in the break. It's not just the issue of sex selection. It's the moral issue of taking a human life. That's the key issue here. Now, sex selection is is what is br- opened the door again. But the reason people are objecting. Is because female lives are being aborted, but the point is not that they're female; it's that they're lives. Uh, female is just an aspect of it. Well, yeah. so that's yeah, unimpo- the moral It's become a,
3: a, a, such an important aspect that it's raised the stakes in the it debate. It yeah. has. Otherwise, this thing wouldn't have made that's the radar. Right.
4: right. But uh, it, to me, it comes down to education. You really have to let educate other cultures. Yeah. Well, you have to let you have to realize that other cultures are not all going to be the same. So now, what are we going to do with those other cultures? Well. We either create these laws and say, "Uh-uh, not here," or you have to educate and say, "You know what? Your child, whether male or female, is going to have certain, you know, rights here to succeed, regardless of gender."
3: And if it's not perceived that way, and they assert their right to uh, don't tell us how to govern our affairs mm-hmm. uh, and take it to court, mm-hmm. do
4: you think they could win? It's possible, as Scott said, it could become a you know a hot button discriminatory uh, you know, issue
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean. uh, yeah, a, a suit a uh, discriminatory lawsuit or a human rights violation. right. Let's get Maggie in here. Go ahead, Maggie, We're listening
5: right. So I just, uh, you know, I want to put my two cents in here with regards to this issue. I think that the issue here is not so much uh, the male female aspect of this, but I think that people are jumping all over this just because of the whole abortion issue in general. I find it interesting that the majority of people calling in so far, I mean, I haven't listened to the whole program, but I find it interesting that we have men on the panel and men calling in, and uh, I kind of want to be the woman's voice with regards to this issue. I mean, this raises the same kind of um, uh, issue as, you know, the same-sex marriage and people traveling from other countries for the divorces and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, it's interesting that, uh, you know, we go on about, you know, a woman's right to choose and a person's right to choose. I'm a 28-year-old woman um, living in Toronto. And I support abortion. Um, I support the fact that we live in a country and we live in a culture, whether or not it's in in Canada or wherever else, that a woman needs to be able to choose. A man is never going to understand what it feels like to have to make these decisions. Um, and you know, a man called in and said, "Well, woman, you know, a woman has the right, uh, you know, to choose before, you know, with contraception." I find it interesting that it's a woman's choice once again, and a woman's decision, and a woman's responsibility to take care of what happens. All
3: right, but let me ask you, Maggie, if you've got, say, a contemporary a peer, a coworker, and uh, she is from China, let's say originally part of that yeah. culture, and uh, has, uh, I guess, an ultrasound that says you're going to have a girl. And the family would say, well, that's not going to help. Or maybe it's somebody from India, and uh, that means transference of wealth through a dowry uh, because they're still upholding those traditions. Uh, Should she be allowed to abort just on that basis?
5: Well, you know what? That That presents two issues. It's the abortion issue, and then it's the choice of why the person's doing it. If my colleague was going to go and decide to have an abortion based on incest or rape, um, you know, some people might disagree with that. Well, there's adoption. I mean, the fact is it's not the reason why the person's doing it. It's the fact of whether or not that person has the right to choose based on their or own beliefs to be able to do it. I'm not here to judge people on why they're doing it. I might not agree on certain aspects and certain instances where- But
3: aren't you outraged by the number of females who have been killed or aborted in China, for example, leaving it a male-dominated society? Hmm.
5: I mean, and I'm, you know, I'm someone who would consider adoption. I'm am someone that would consider adopting from some place like that. I mean, I think that you know, once again, it's it, you know, it's, it's really hard for us to stay sitting here in you know, comfy Canada and comfy United States of America, where we have all these options and all of these choices, where we can have as many children as we want. Um, you know, obviously, I don't support. Yeah,
3: how about these cultures, though? Isn't there a woman, a war on women? Yes. Yeah, of course. All right, and so uh, what are you but doing once to...
5: Again, once again, my issue is not with why people are doing what they're doing.
0: I, well, but, but that is but That central. is the issue. That is Whether the issue. you want it to be or not, that is the issue. <laughs> yeah, yes. that's
3: central to the argument. That's why we're having it this morning, because mm-hmm. uh, the report just came out, and uh, it is an important note culturally and where this country is moving, moving forward in a multicultural sense. Uh, we might have to embrace certain cultural practices that we don't actually believe ethically or morally to be correct tim and newmarket what do you say
2: well i think it's well to agree with what mike and milton say that uh people coming here on passports shouldn't be able to have abortion for that reason and i completely agree with that i also think that if you're going to decide if you're well if you're going to find out if your child's going to be a man or a g- girl you should be able to say okay if i'm going to find this out i'm not going to abort based on this so sign a contract if you're going to find out the sex of your child you're not going to abort on that premise if you're going to abort your child the sex shouldn't matter
0: and, of course, it's an industry, as well, the abortion industry, fully funded by the taxpayer. It's a free service. So people come here, uh, they get the service done, we pay for it, and it, they get it for free. So a moral atrocity is done on the taxpayers' back for foreigners as well. It's a great service. All right. Well, somebody has likened it to the
3: issue with gay marriage, and I wanted to uh, also dovetail into that. We've got a lot of calls still on this. First or the premier issue, but uh, the other thing about the gay marriage, some are suggesting it telegraphs a Harper hidden agenda. That's the way it was played out. Uh, we'll get to our panel, Scott Masson and Dr. Chris DiCarlo in a moment. More of your thoughts. Do we need a law to keep the fetus secret till uh, at least 30 months, or 30 weeks rather, 30 weeks? Uh, or is that uh, a practice that you don't want to encourage because it might also deter A woman's right to choose. All right, the big story, and uh, the discussion warrants extending the segment, so the culture war will take us uh, close to the top of the hour. Scott Masson, associate prof at Tyndale University College in Toronto, and Dr. Chris DiCarlo, fellow and advisor at the Centre for Inquiry Canada. Do we need a law so sex selection doesn't become the premise for uh, 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 an abortion, given that, uh, of course, we see certain countries uh, where that practice is common? It's called feticide, and uh, we've got large waves of immigrants and communities forming here in Canada from those countries. So, ergo, uh, we have an issue. Elaine and Markham, would you like to see a law against this?
6: I sure would. Um, I do not believe that any of us have the right to take a human life. Um, and it's, it, it appalls me to think that this could actually happen in Canada. Um, it's just morally wrong hmm. uh, on all levels.
4: And when is a fetus alive? Have we determined that?
6: Um, I, I, the point
4: I, is, we don't determine it. <laughs> I, I,
6: yeah.
4: All That's, right, but the point is, if there's sex election
3: taking place in certain cultures, you don't want that happening here in Canada.
6: If it... They're coming to our country, then they must abide by our rules. I, I understand that and I respect that if that happens in their country, even though. But
0: our I, rules allow for abortion, right, without any law or stipulation.
6: I know. And I'm against that as well. I think unless it is rape, I don't agree with it in any way, shape, or form. And I am in a situation, or my husband and I, we have a child with a developmental disability mm-hmm. that was our first child right. and when we were having our second child we had the um we were asked if if this child had a disability that we could abort it and i said well <laughs> if this child has a disability it will be welcome in our home just the same as the first child was year and, uh, in, in, um. Alright, at the
3: end of the day, I get your morality on the issue is you believe it to be, uh, to Chris Carlos' point, uh, the fetus is a life and therefore needs protection. Under the law, even though our parliamentarians kicked it to the courts, the courts back to them, but now this new wrinkle is sex selection. Now, an email from Michael says, with regards to outlawing sex determination and aborting a fetus that is undesired sex, this is plainly silly. This should be no one's but the parent's decision. Everyone else needs to butt out. If they have the means to pay for this and the fortitude to make this decision, so be it. Your first caller, Mohammed, called it unethical. This is based on his skewed religious upbringing. As an anti-theist, my ethics state otherwise. These brain-dead sheep need to get religion out of the discussion. The author called it an evil practice. Since evil is rooted and defined by religious beliefs, evil wouldn't exist without God. This should not have been published outside of a church bulletin. What's really amusing to me is that you and your guests and all the callers assume that the premise of sex determination is to abort female fetuses. I believe you have all based this opinion on what you've already mentioned, China's one-child male-child law that now has them in a pickle. We're not in China. We don't have the same values or beliefs, so how can you assume our decisions would be the same? This should remain unlegislated. So he's a man after your own thinking there, DiCarlo. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the idea is that uh, while we may have different values, if they're bringing these values here and the freedom to practice those things based on multiculturalism and the Human Rights Code, uh, who's to say we don't open this door, this Pandora's box? Do we need a law? Gina and Woodbridge, what do you say?
1: Uh, I don't think we need a law. I think it's a little early. We are looking at countries that largely for the past decade or so are focusing on economic stability, and that was their priority. So, then focusing on this male preferred over female. I come from Korea, and it's a culture that has shifted hugely economically. And now they are starting to rapidly change socially. Social so, we, and even with the elections that are coming up in December, you're looking at two major candidates that are female, which would have never happened in the past.
0: But but, you're looking but, at these
1: cultures. W- India and China, you're looking at cultures that are largely focused on. Males because they do still believe that males are the breadwinner.
0: but what was the, what's the caller's name? Uh, note that in Korea that, that there's a huge shift in uh, religious affiliation in the last few years and the last mm-hmm. few decades towards Christianity. Uh, you might I mean, I think that's an interesting observation yeah, that you've
1: made. Might be a factor, but we, we are still looking at a culture that believes that males are the breadwinner, and when parents or when adults, there, there is no pension plan, so when they retire, they hope that their son is going to take care of them.
0: Are you so telling me that the, sex selection still takes place in Korea in the same way it did before?
1: It's not as it had before, because right. there is that change, and I, we keep focusing on education, and yes, I do believe that is key. All
0: and right,
3: you know, that's be interesting, ahead. because uh, Chris DiCarlo brought that point up. Demography is destiny, and if we accept that one of the key uh, hallmarks of demography is earning power, or let's just say, uh, you know, economic uh what, what is it? Uh, your ability to, I guess, be uh, seen as equal to men. Uh, you mentioned that, Chris DiCarlo, mm-hmm. as a standard of living comes up for women and uh, they're not earning 70 cents on a dollar. But in fact, they will be seen more as an asset than a detriment. Right. So you think that will shift the perception in these cultural communities?
4: Yeah. over Over time with education, I think we can use our cultural mores to be able to educate that you don't maybe necessarily have to use such a kind of a – an antiquated system that was created for the purpose of survival. We're, we're really not talking about the elephant in the room here. And that, that's that's the fact that when people have kids, they want the very best for the, the kids and for the family. That means you want the very best you can give your offspring. That's why uh, StatsCan showed that of the 90, 90%, over 90% of expectant parents who had a positive ID – of Down syndrome aborted mm-hmm. that's very telling because what that means is it's it's pr- pretty much evolutionary it 's the idea that you want the best for your offspring, you want the best for you, you want the best all around mm-hmm. and if a child is born with a, a disability you you parents are demonstrating through their Choice of abortion that they, they don't think that's fair to the child. When you say best for, do you right. mean <laughs> economically best for, or a quality of life, quality and? of life. All right, right. Generally, so, those those types of things. So it really comes back to biology. It comes back to evolution. The whole comes dowry evolution. thing. Okay, let me let me come in on this. Is a
0: way of surviving, right? So evolution would say that the fittest survive and they propagate their species and those genes will replicate themselves and so forth. Well, why is it in the so-called civilized societies, Canada, the U.S., Western Europe, that people are having fewer, fewer and fewer children. Surely it would follow that if we're so civilized and advanced that our gene pool will want to spend, will be having more children, not fewer. I, I mean, it, it actually Well, we just hit 7 billion a few months ago. You know, so I, I said, well, that's I think the whole globe. That's, that's not talking ideas. about Western <laughs> Europe. We're talking about a demographic winter here, and nobody disputes that. So where's your, well, that where's remains your evolution that? Well, that, that remains
4: to be seen. The fact of the matter is when people are interested in reproducing, uh, Basically, they, they would like to have a, quote, normal child. And if you disagree with me, you're more than likely a hypocrite. We all at least want normality. I would now, just like to know what if, normal is. If we can't peer into the crystal ball like we can with modern technology and reproductive uh, technologies, then obviously we, we – we clothe and feed and love what is born. You know, I mean, if, if it's a child with a disability, obviously, you know, we're, we're going to care for When you say a normal
0: out. human being, who mm-hmm. is the norm? Are you the norm for a normal human being? Am I the norm? I mean, what, what do you mean the by normal? The
4: norm is a state on a spectrum of determinations of characteristics and qualities. Oh, good grief. So basically, if, you know, 10 fingers, 10 toes, all limbs functioning, the heart's working well, so on and so forth, mm-hmm. When I work, when when I had my experience with pediatric intensive care and saw so many ultrasounds of of different uh, fetal developments, some had cancerous cysts, some had no brain; it was microencephalic. Uh, There would be – some had no lungs developed whatsoever. So if you continue on with the pregnancy, the child will be born gasping for breath and will die. Right. Is that fair?
0: Well, the child wouldn't be born. The child would abort naturally if it were so severely – No, these don't,
4: and I've seen it. And 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 Christian parents have said, we expect a miracle to occur, and this child is born, and within minutes it dies gasping of breath. So, Scott, we should just allow – a miracle. Wait around and allow a miracle, or do we do the more humane thing and say, you know what? We've discovered this early on. Okay, let's end its life now. That is a far more humane. Why thing is it to more do. humane
0: to take a life than to die? I don't get your point. Everyone who lives dies. <laughs> what Why is, is it humane the purpose to take the of life?
4: suffering? Furthering the suffering of an inevitable death. Suffering of a, comes of with a life, my
0: friend. It's a <laughs> consequence of human. Uh, it's a consequence. So let me get this straight. As a good
4: Christian, you want to increase the amount of suffering. I'm sorry, I don't remember Jesus saying that, guys. Uh, you know what? It's a heady debate. It certainly always dials back to uh, the initial touchstone of the
3: abortion debate and the laws in the country yes, uh, where we don't have, but uh, this newest element or dimension to it has led to a fruitful discussion this morning, at least to, uh, I guess, give people a sense for what we're up against and uh, sort of on the horns of a dilemma. We'll mm-hmm. see how it plays out going forward. Uh, I appreciate you coming in and giving us extra time this morning. Scott Mass, an associate professor at Tyndale University College in Toronto, and Dr. Chris DiCarlo, fellow and advisor at the Center for Inquiry, Canada. Got to have you both back soon.
0: Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the Ezra Institute for Contemporary Christianity. Please feel free to share it with friends, but do not charge for or alter the material in any way without the express written consent of the EICC.
4: Thank you.